And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. Every single day I come in here, I think about winning. You know, I don't do this year round to come in and not make the playoffs. I'm sick of that shit, and uh, I want to keep winning. You're listening to the State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Nguyen. The 3-3 three three Las Vegas Raiders getting ready to head to Chicago to take on the Bears. Chance to get over 500. But we'll start with the news. They will not have their starting quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. He is out with that back injury that sent him to the hospital after last or in the middle of last week's game against the Patriots. Uh, I think we kind of expected this, probably just uh, the nature of him being sent to the hospital. And as of Monday, still kind of not really knowing what the situation was with him. Um, we don't know who will start in his place, whether it'll be Aiden O'Connell getting the, the full week of reps in practice and, and getting the start, or whether they will go with Brian Hoyer. But uh, I mean, what initial reaction to uh, to Garoppolo being out, this is going to be, now we're seven games in, this is the second start that he's missed. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's not too much of a surprise given the serious nature of the injury, even though it seems he, you know, avoided internal damage. I mean, anytime you go to the hospital, it's not, not anything minor. Um, and so... Uh, not not a huge surprise for him to be out this week um, or to have, you know, injury issues early this season. I mean, you know, unfortunately, this has kind of been the norm for him throughout his career. Um, it's not necessarily ever like the same injury over and over. It's a bunch of different body parts. And, you know, first time was a concussion. This time is his back. And, you know, we'll see if it extends beyond this week. But it doesn't seem like it's going to be a, you know, super long-term injury or anything of that nature. But obviously the timing of it isn't great. I mean, not, no injury is a great timing, but he's sort of, I feel like it's disrupted, you know, his ability to kind of find his place and get the offense going. I mean, he missed all the OTAs due to the foot injury, you know, missing games early in the season. Hasn't really, you know, the offense has just looked out of sync, especially the passing offense and him not being out there obviously makes it tricky to sort of get over that. And so, um, even though it doesn't appear to be a long-term injury, probably going to feed into the offense still having some struggles here earlier in the season. Yeah, I think the timing is good. Obviously, they, they won two in a row. They're playing the Bears, who are terrible, have a, a new quarterback and Taylor Bajant, who um, you know, I'm sure the, the bar is pretty low for him. So I think it's just a game they feel they can win. Get his name right. Get Tyson's name right. Come on. He's, he's your oh, West Virginia. Oh, I, I said Taylor? He's, yeah, he's the pride of West That's Virginia, funny, just like you. Come on. I was so worried about his last name. I've been saying Bajant all week. I forgot I got his last name right. Bajant, I screwed up his first name. That's classic. Did you forget about the lovely time you had in West Virginia? Like, I'm telling you, I now, was man. focused on his last name. I was so locked in on Bajan, Bajan, Bajan. I screwed up the first name. I've got some good West Virginia stats on him that I'll bring up later. I can't wait. That's, that's going to be a great, uh, great podcasting. But uh, anyway, they should be able to beat the Bears, whether it's um, 
you know, O'Connell or Hoyer. Maybe how about this? How about use both? Kind of like the Eleanor Munford rotation. Kind of use both guys back and no, forth. No, no, no. I like that idea. But uh, yeah, so plus they get an extra day off. They get the, the Lions coming up on Monday nights. So another day for Jimmy to get ready. So uh, yeah, take your time, relax. You know, sit in the couch, watch the watch the Bears game, and uh, get back next week. As of right now, we don't have confirmation whether it's going to be Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell. They're kind of playing that game they did like like last time. Yeah, and I'm not sure if they even know for sure. Maybe they're still maybe they're having like a really feisty quarterback competition in, in practice this week. I think it's a, I think it's a tough call for me. I think I mean obviously they went with O'Connell last time, but you could argue that Hoyer probably played the best of any quarterback this season in this half of play. Didn't turn the ball over. Had the best pass of the year to the Tucker. So maybe. Maybe he earned a start. Who knows? But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see on Sunday. He made, he made a couple of nice throws. I mean, he he had that one to Tucker, but that was kind of a game planned, like you know, way to get Tucker open on a deep shot. That I think O'Connell probably could have made that throw too. He made one really really nice throw to Devonte Adams into like quadruple coverage, um, which Adams probably liked. But I mean, he obviously didn't have much of a chance to do too much and. I don't think you want Hoyer doing too much anyways, but um, yeah, to me, I thought Aiden O'Connell probably could have made a couple of throws that he he made in that game. And I would go with the young guy and uh, just continue to see what he could do and uh, try to get him to get a little bit more experience, but that's just me. All right. Well, no matter which quarterback they go to, and we'll get into more of that later, you would, you, you wonder how involved will Devonte Adams be uh, after uh, he expressed his frustration on Wednesday, and you know we talked about it last week, uh, where you know, after the Packers game, where he you could tell he was frustrated. He expressed his frustration, and you know we discussed here like how nuclear would things have gotten had they lost that game. Well, they go and they win another game. They've won two in a row. They're up to five hundred. But he's got nine targets in the last two games. He did not talk after that win over the Patriots, and he did talk Wednesday, and you know acknowledged his frustration that. And Tashawn, you know you. Kind of summarize how you read his comments, and uh, here on Thursday morning, Devontae basically said, yes, that is exactly how I feel. And the point here is that, because I know a lot of people were trying to get mad at Devontae because they're implying, well, hey, you've won the last two games, shut up, it doesn't matter. And the point that I think we've made is, yeah, they've won, but... I mean, they're beating the Packers and the Patriots. Like, he's not interested in, like, scraping by and beating bad teams. Like, he wants his team to be a team that can make some noise. And if they're going to make some noise, their offense has to be a lot better, which has been among the worst in the league this year. If their offense is going to be better, having, you know, one of the top two or three receivers in the league be a major part of it is is a mandatory. Yeah, it's pretty common sense stuff. It's, it's kind of it's weird because it's what fans have been saying in our comment sections and replies online the last couple of wins is, you know, I mean, they're barely beating these bad teams. The offense stinks and they wonder what's going on. And Devontae says it and everybody kind of loses their mind for some reason. I don't, I don't really understand the difference there. But clearly, you know, I mean, for a struggling offense to turn around, you need to get, get Devontae Adams the ball more consistently. I think that's the key phrasing of it because he does have a lot of – overall targets for the season but it's kind of skewed because he had like a 20 target game he has a 13 target game and then he has like games against the packers where he only has four targets like it's too it's like jekyll and hyde yeah and even within that packers game he has four targets three came on one drive so outside of that one drive they targeted him one other time so it's like they had one drive where they focused on him and then the rest of the game he was just a decoy yeah and it's not like there's a bunch of times where he's just running wide open and they don't throw him the ball it's not an intentional thing but uh, you know, teams are doubling him a lot and providing safety help and doing all kind of funky things in coverage. But like, 
that's always been the case with Devontae Adams. And obviously he's made three first team all pros in a row. Like it hasn't stopped him. Like even when he's well covered, he's still a guy that can make catches, contested catches, or or just find ways to, to beat the defender in those situations. And so that's not an excuse to to go away from him. And again, you know, and the point that he's making, you know, it'd be one thing if the offense was averaging 35 and they were they were kind of cooking without him and it didn't really matter, but like the offense sucks right now. And so it just doesn't make sense to go these super long, like they're, they're going like entire quarters or entire halves with him having zero or one or two targets. Like it just doesn't really make any sense. And like, that's both on, you know, Josh McDaniels as a play caller and also, you know, you know, the quarterback for not being willing to make some of those or try to make some of those tough passes or, or maybe when the, the picture isn't as clear as it's been, you know, some other places in his career, um, you know, to, it, it kind of takes two to tango on that front. Yeah, I think if the offense was scoring a lot of points and they were winning, I think he'd be a lot different. I think the fact they had 19 points before Max's safety last week, first time they've gotten over 20 points all year long, clearly they should be a lot better. I mean, he, they have Devontae Adams. They got Myers is having a good season. They got Trey Tucker and Michael Mayer kind of taking a step up recently. So there should be enough weapons in this offense to kind of help Josh Jacobs get going and to score some points. So I think that he's definitely frustrated about that. And clearly he is an elite you know, top five, I think top one, but we'll say play safe top five receiver in the NFL. That kind of mandates, you know, at least eight, ten targets a week. I think it has an obligation. If you have that kind of guy on your roster, that's kind of an obligation. You have to give him the ball that many times or else you're not doing it right. I mean, that's why, that's why he's there to make plays. If you're not giving him a chance to make plays, then you're you're not doing it right. While the defense is, is better than it's been in a while, like it's not like they're like the – 2000 Ravens or something like that like you know like eventually if your offense can't score 20 points you're gonna lose some of these games that you should win I mean it's already happened you know to them this season like you know because people are saying like you know that they win like what does it matter if they win by one or by 20 it's not so much about the margin it's just the sustainability of it like you can only win so many games if your offense can't score 20 points like you're not you're not about to be a 12-1 team if that's the case and that's the type of winning he wants to have he doesn't want them to be eight and nine or nine and eight and while we think that's probably what they're going to end up being like if that's the opposite is going to happen then offense got to get rolling here Watching back last game, there, there were definitely some opportunities to get Adams the ball. Like you said, they weren't wide open downfield opportunities, but I mean, just pepper him the ball a little bit on a hitch route, you know, get him the ball on the screen, um, throw him the ball on a slant, but don't get him killed. Um, you know, just little opportunities like that. Uh, but man, I mean, he, he's brave. He wants more targets after taking <laughs> a few of the shots he's taken this season. Um, but the problem is like to beat double teams, you mostly have to go deep because like, you can't beat double teams going short in a bunch. Thinking back on that Chiefs game when he beat bracket coverage and got downfield and Carr got out of the pocket and, and threw him a deep pass, you know, you got to beat bracket coverage by beating the safety downfield. And um, these quarterbacks that are on the roster aren't really going to make that throw. They're not going to extend. They're not going to force it into double coverage. Maybe Aiden O'Connell, but, you know, we haven't seen enough of him just yet. Usually when teams are showing double um, to Devonte Adams, they're going to look away from him. They just aren't really capable of making that throw. I'm not saying that they won't do it once in a while, but it's just not in their arsenal to do it on a consistent basis. You know, what really doesn't make any sense is we talk about how like you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to try to make those those tight window throws, do all that kind of stuff. Like he's not going to throw to a double cover Devontae Adams. The dude leads the league in interceptions. Who cares? Like at that point, like you're throwing picks no matter what. Uh, you almost have to start just throwing out some one read plays where it's just like the ball goes to Devontae and like Jimmy, that's where you have to throw it. We have to get this guy involved. Uh, you know, we've we've got to test him deep early. 
you know, you almost just have to make those one read throws where it's just like that's that's what you have to do. I mean, it's not like he's being super careful with the ball anyway. He leads the league in interception rate. He leads the league in interceptions. I mean, he's he's turning the ball over left and right when he is out there. So what the hell, what are you protected? That's a Jimmy Garoppolo conundrum. It's like he's conservative, but three times a game he is definitely not conservative, and he'll make like the most you know, like boneheaded throw that you could make in a situation, high, high risk, no reward type throws. I agree. Like there's times where you're going to have to just take those chances. And, but the problem is like Garoppolo has never really been good at balancing that, you know, playing that balancing act throughout his career. I've always described him as he has, he makes the rookie mistakes without the rookie upside. That's harsh. Ain't it true? <laughs> is it not true? We've watched him for a long time. Me and Jimmy had to watch him for a long time. All right, we've we've seen this. I thought I was finally getting off that train. <laughs> None of this is like new stuff. That's the thing. It just like, like I mean, this is why Adams is pissed off and off <laughs> the direction that they're going in. Like you know, he was speaking around it. I know he backtracked it later, but like you know, two plus two equals four. Like we you can see what he meant there, and you know, it's, and again, like I don't I don't want to act like like obviously the offense last year wasn't what they anticipated it being like it was still a top 15 unit but they weren't efficient Derek Carr threw too many interceptions so like I can get one to make a quarterback change but like you would hope that it's a guy that's either a clear upgrade or like has the potential to be an upgrade one day and it's just at best there's going to be a linear move and so far this season it's been a pretty significant downgrade and it's just the solutions that we're coming up with are basically Garoppolo becoming something he's never shown us he's he's been before so like I don't know what happens here. And the problem is it's not only a downgrade, like there's no upside to this. And it's not that much of a downgrade to where you could get like a super high pick and he's still good enough to win you games. And then, and then you're just stuck in, in um, purgatory. He's going to rest up his back. He's going to do some stretching. He's going to come back and start throwing the ball deep just to shut you guys up. It's going to be great. Just can't wait. I can't wait either. I'd love to see it. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk a little bit about, about the win over the Patriots. An ugly win, which, I mean, I, I know for Raider fans, it's like, that's a term that you, you, it's hard to use because, I mean, there is a degree of the NFL where you take wins however you get them, and this team is 3-3 three and three now. They have a chance to, to get to 4-3 and three against the Bears, and uh, you just kind of accept that. You take that. and But we also know, the, like we said, the sustainability of that. You know, we saw them in 2021 go 10-7 by kind of winning that way. And then you saw what happened a, a year later. So, But we don't want to discount a win. I mean, you, you win a game in the NFL, especially the way the defense has played. They've been able to clinch the last two wins, getting the, the interception by Meek Robertson two weeks ago and then the uh, the sack by Bilal Nichols and Max Crosby uh, to, to clinch this game against the Patriots. You've got to be encouraged by the way the defense is showing up. And, and you know, they're not you know, a top 10 unit by any means, by any statistic or anything like that. But we've always talked about if they can be a league average defense, this team should be pretty good with what we have expected to be a, a top 10 offense. Obviously, that's not what we have right now. But the defensive signs are encouraging, and uh, Patrick Graham's got to be feeling happy about the direction. Yeah, I think last year they lost those games, you know, to Jeff Saturday and the Colts. They lost the game to the Rams. Two awful teams, two awful, awful, awful losses. And that, those are kind of some of the games they just won this past two weeks. So I think that's definitely a positive that they have not been sharp offensively. But the defense has taken a small, I'm not going to say a big, a small step up than from last year. I think Max Cross is playing at even a higher level, which is, I'm not sure it's possible, but he's been incredible. I think he kind of carries the whole D-line on his back, and the linebackers have been solid. Secondary's been pretty solid, not giving up too many big plays, so tip your cap there. So I think um, 
all, all you can do is beat the teams you play. And they played two really bad teams the last two weeks, and they, they beat them both. They got one more coming up. They got a really bad Bears team. So uh, they're going to be, I mean, odds are they're going to be four and three. And a lot of that's due to the defense being a little better than it was last year. Yeah, I know there's a few guys in the mix, you know, kind of for this imaginary award, but I feel like Max Crosby's like playing like pretty much the best edge rusher in the league right now. I mean, between, you know, what he's doing from a pass rush perspective, uh, you know, there's guys that have more sacks, but he's he's pretty much up there amongst anybody with with total pressures and also what he does in the run game. I mean, he's he's really a disruptive force between tackles for loss and just holding up well on the edge. And that's, you know, I think that's probably what impresses me the most. I think we saw right away as a rookie, like he had success as a pass rusher, but run defense wasn't exactly his specialty. And now he's one of the best run defenders in the league. And so just a complete player, obviously he leads the defense, um, one of the leaders of the team. And um, the rest of the defensive line still isn't doing all that much. Like I know they got a couple of sacks from the interior guys, but like if you look at their pressure rate and things of that nature and their run defense, like it's still – Still some question marks up front. Like you want to see that more out of Tyree Wilson and, and some of the interior guys. But, you know, Max Crosby has been so good that it, you know, hasn't mattered in some of these situations. Um, I think the linebackers have been solid. Robert Spillane, Devon Diablo, like they haven't been spectacular, but they've been decent. Um, the secondary, like you said, they've limited explosive plays. And so given the talent that they have, which isn't great, like I don't know how much more you could ask out of this defense right now. And, you know, that's the biggest positive, you know, so far throughout the season. Um, they just kind of need the the offense to catch up a little bit. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Michael Mayer, they finally are, are starting to get him involved. Five catches, 75 yards. You saw them, especially early in the game, they were targeting, getting him involved. And, you know, and I know he said it's the week before they, they threw to him on that opening drive. And, and he talked about how getting the ball early in the game just kind of established his confidence, not only in catching the ball, but in blocking and basically just, just getting him you know, kind, of, kind of being able to calm everything down and just really kind of get his confidence going in, in all aspects. So we've been want that's something we've been wanting to see, and and it is something we are starting to see. And you know, we need to start seeing this draft class be able to produce something. We're not getting much out of Tyree Wilson right now. Not seeing a whole lot out of him. So uh, to see Michael Mayer start to produce, uh, that that is another positive sign on this team. You know, there's a bunch of people, the fantasy community out there, that are all like using their waiver wires on Michael Mayer. But I, I don't expect them to have these type of games too often. You know, I think the way the Patriots played him, the way things kind of turned out, like he wasn't the first read on a ton of these plays. So I think he will have some games. But the most encouraging thing to me is that he looked quick. You know, like that was one of the things that I was worried about with how his speed would translate into the NFL. I mean, obviously he's not going to be running away from people with his 40 time, but he, he looked pretty quick out there. And, and that was, uh, that was a key thing. He had that nice run after catch on that, that shallow cross. And then he had another third down target where they put him outside against a corner and he was able to create a little separation. Uh, Hoyer couldn't quite hit him because of pressure. So that's the encouraging thing. I think, you know, for his future outlook, the fact that he looks like his athleticism belongs on a field is, is a big thing because it, it was a question mark for me just because he wasn't, you know, he looked a little slow in, in college. Yeah, he got some yak. He definitely had some, uh, he showed off his little basketball moves from me. He was a big time basketball player growing up in Kentucky. And I obviously can run guys over as well. He's got some power. So definitely a dangerous guy after the catch. And the speed, I think, is more of a concern, maybe getting open, you know, I guess some tougher coverage. Like you mentioned, he had some softer coverage this game. So, I wouldn't give him in fantasy. I think he's clearly going to be your third or fourth option. But still, as a guy, definitely, if you throw him the ball, you show that he can't make plays. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's the nature of rookie tight ends. Like, they tend to be more up and down, and I think that's fine. I think the big bigger takeaway is just him showing these flashes and these signs of promise that he can develop into a guy that, you know, in the years to come can, can become a more consistent contributor for him. And so he's going to have his week to week up and downs, both as a receiver and as a blocker like that, that comes along with it. But just the fact that he's flashing, I think is something that you got to be encouraged about. All right. Well, turning our attention to Chicago, um, obviously we, we, like we said earlier, we don't know who is going to start at quarterback. Uh, we know how they handled it against the chargers where it was kind of kept close to the vest. We kind of presumed it would be Brian Hoyer, but you know, Josh McDaniels and ultimately ended up saying like, no, we were able to get Aiden O'Connell that full week of practice reps. And we were able to, you know, get him up to speed on the game plan. We were able to game plan for him and, and we wanted him to go out there. That was before we had seen what Brian Hoyer could do in a game. And, and again, he was mildly encouraging what he did there against the Patriots. And if he does start this game, it is in the same stadium that he won his last game as a starting quarterback, which was as of today, Thursday, it was 2,573 days ago that he last won a game as a starting quarterback. So uh, add, uh, add, what, four days to that if uh, if he does get a chance to... Uh, to start in Chicago, uh, he is a former Bear. Maybe he can uh, re- recover that, rekindle some of that magic from when he uh, he last won a game over twenty five hundred days ago. Yeah, magic is an interesting word there. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 one of those because Brian came in the game, you know, in the second half. It, it seemed like his assignment was very much so like don't fuck it up. You know, I mean they had a ten point lead. 
they just started running the ball a lot, even though he can't run the ball. And like his his pass outside of the deep shot, you know, it, it was pretty conservative in terms of the areas of the field that he was targeting. And Aiden O'Connell, you know, he was kind of wild out there against the Chargers. I mean, he fumbled the ball three times, lost two of them, threw an interception at the end of the game, held the ball too long. So it's kind of that, you know, he's going to have those those super low moments, you know, as he works through his rookie growing pains that that's really what a team in the Bears situation needs to be able to win this game. I mean, without Justin, I mean, with Justin Fields, the offense was pretty bad. Without him, like, I can only imagine what it's going to look like. And so really the only way that the, the Bears can get into this one is if they force some turnovers, some sudden change um, situations, some short fields. And O'Connell may be more liable to give them some of those than Hoyer at this point. And so... You know, while I, I do think there's more value in getting O'Connell reps and experience, like if, if they don't trust him as a coaching staff and they know him way better than we do to not fuck up, basically, then I can kind of understand the logic behind just starting Hoyer and running the ball a lot and throwing the ball to Devontae a lot and hoping you can, you know, win a low score and win over the Bears. This team is not good enough to just run the ball a lot. Yeah, I think they might be able to just get away from get away with being ultra conservative and winning against this Bears team without Justin Fields, I mean, you know, Justin Fields still offers like an explosive element and w- without him there, this offense is going to be pretty stagnant, likely. And the Bears defense is not great. They played a lot better the last two weeks, uh, but even in the last two weeks, they, um, they've been like 18th in de- defensive success rate. So not great, uh, but I, I don't think they're bottom of the league bad. So I think you could probably move the ball on them. But the problem with the Raiders have been in a red zone. In this game against the Patriots, I mean, last game against the Patriots, I mean, he Josh McDaniels is so conservative. It was just run, run, pass. And then by the time you're passing, you're trying to pass from the 11-yard line in the red zone, which is difficult. I think that might be the same approach that they take into this Bears game. So it's going to be a bunch of field goals. And, you know, if you do that and you let a team hang around, who knows what, what what's going to happen. But, I mean, if Hoyer does start, then you kind of know what the philosophy is is going to be, you know, going into this game. I think it's good because I think we'll finally know exactly what the coaches thought about O'Connell's first start. Because, obviously, he said some nice things. He got better as the game went on. But clearly held the ball too long. If that's something else, maybe his first game nerves or maybe an issue they got to work on and practice more in, 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 on the side. But we're going to find out this week. If they start Hoyer, Clearly, they thought that he's you know, a better fit to win this game, and O'Connell may not have been as ready as they thought he was back against the Chargers. So I think that'll be good to, to learn exactly where they stand on him. I think he's maybe a potential starter in this league or a potential you know, long-term backup. So uh, like I said, I think Horner had the best throw of the season to Tucker. I think he ripped it. and That's a, a very decisive, uh, strong throw. We haven't, deep, we haven't seen from either, either guy besides him. So, um, yeah, it'll be uh, fun to find out what they think. I think the tough thing when you're a rookie like O'Connell who's in this backup slash third string role is I think in that game against the Chargers, you know, obviously he started really bad in the second half. He, he found a rhythm and he, he played pretty well in spurts. Obviously he had the interception, which, you know, Ted detailed uh, the, uh, the poor play design on that, you know, earlier. And, that's where it would be nice to like have a chance to try to build off of that. So, I mean, you know, if you do go back to him, it's an opportunity to kind of build off that. But, you know, we do know that McDaniels said earlier this week that, you know, this, they're not making this decision based on what's best for development or anything. It's just about who is their best opportunity to win this game. And, and when you're three and three and you're in the situation that the Raiders are in where, you know, you want to try to stack up as many wins as possible, that is an understandable uh, position to be in. You guys think it matters? Would you rather go O'Connell but if he struggles, you bring in a Hoyer, or vice versa, he's a Hoyer. If he struggles, then you bring the young guy in. Do you think it matters which way you would go? I think it's easier to bring in Hoyer. 
I think it's easier to bring in Hoyer if, if the young guy struggles. It's hard to, like, go call on the rookie off the bench. Yeah, I mean, given the way they've handled this season, I mean, they've, you know, Hoyer's been the backup because they trust him more to, like, step in suddenly in the middle of a game. So you would think it would make more sense to start O'Connell. And then if he's, you know, struggling out there, then, I mean, you've been trusting Hoyer to do that all season, um, have him fill that role instead. Or you go back and forth like Mumford and Illuminor. That's that's the way you got to go, man. And rotate every Endeavor series, man. Get to the Bears off balance. You just want Sunday to be a mess? You try to get some, <laughs> be, get some hectic shit going on for us? Didn't you hear McDaniel's explanation for that? Is that it was it was about... You know, because when they would go to the jumbo package, if you cut, if you if you come in as the eligible receiver, you have to come out for a play. So I'm not sure Josh is always honest in his answers, but uh, how about this? How about you rotate the quarterback and right tackle together? They come in together, <laughs> one, like, and you bring them. Oh, that's awesome, dude. I love that. I mean, they might as well do centers too, right? It's, it's flip flopping <laughs> Dylan Parham and Andre James. Oh, why is not playing well? I mean, just let's try. Let's try some new stuff. I'm not. I'm not not against that. We'll make it like a high school game where they don't have the radios to, to call in. And um, I mean, I know, Ooh, yeah. I know the way that way that we did it. Like, like literally, a guy would run from the sideline with the play call from the coach and bring it into the uh, to the quarterback, so you could just have that that next quarterback just there. Like you tell you you hand tell him the uh, you just you whisper it in his ear. Here's the play call. Go run in. <laughs> whisper it in his ear. Anytime when you you could get two athletes like Hoyer and O'Connell on the field together, you got to you got to do it. Ooh. I like that too. One take I, I had from the Patriots game is I thought the Raiders running game finally got going a little bit and they started running a lot more outside zone. And it makes sense because they aren't getting a great push and they do have some athletic guys. So maybe outside zone is the way to go. I know historically Josh McDaniel and the Patriot guys, they love running like, you know, 10 different run concepts, but maybe you just commit to outside zone and start running because you got some of your best runs of the season uh, running outside zone. And uh, they got they got some nice ones from uh, Mumford as the sixth offensive lineman on the on the edge, too. So, you know, maybe that's the way to go. Just commit to one run concept, one system, and then maybe you get this run game going a little bit. I was going to say, it's individual runs, I guess, but I don't average like three yards a carry so i don't don't know in terms of well outside zone it was it it was an eight yard carry it was a five a four an 18 yard carry off outside zone yeah i mean josh did have that nice uh, yeah separate the splits yes he's had a a couple nice runs the last couple weeks but i'm still not a believer in the uh it, it was the you know when they start doing duo or draw or uh iso the, those are the runs that are like they get nothing because they get no push they just don't get any push uh, uh, up the middle so that's why i think maybe outside zone where you don't have to be quite as physical as far as vertical push you know that might be the way to go for this this run game not that it'll, i don't think it's, it's going to get close to the heights it reached last year but at least you know get to that kind of average range that's where they go with the Hoyer Mumford combo because you get the threat oh, of the push deep off throw from, from Hoyer. Uh, I like it, man. I like it. Can we can we rotate in Samir White? Get get him. I mean, they did, they did, yeah. they did last game. They did. Yeah, he he got he got a whole two carries for two yards. He's uh, he's he's on a roll this year. Got to keep Josh uh, Jacobs fresh when he goes to another team next year. We got the Yannick and Gakwe uh, revenge factor in this game Ooh. too. Yeah. <laughs> Remember what, what Khalil Mack did, you know, and Gakwe's going to be looking to do the same. Dude, I totally forgot Gakwe's from the Bears. Andrew Billings, too. And Yeah, he's, wow, he's playing Andrew well. Billings. Yeah, he's, play, yeah, he's got, playing well. I got to change my pick. God damn it. 
as we're talking about this quarterback rotation that Vic has brilliantly come up with, uh, I mean, the Raiders still might have, should have the quarterback advantage in this matchup um, going up against uh, your guy uh, Tyson Bajent, who uh, I'll give you the, the West Virginia stat here, Vic. He will be the first person born in West Virginia to start at quarterback in the NFL since Joe Gilliam Jr., who started seven games for the Steelers in 1973 and 74. That's uh, according to our uh, our Chicago columnist John Greenberg. Uh, but but Gilliam kind of a fr- Gilliam's kind of a fraud uh, because he was born in Charleston, West Virginia, while his dad was going to school there. But he grew up in Tennessee, so uh, this is a it's a big moment for uh, for your all your friends back in West Virginia. His dad's like a champion arm wrestler, right? Yeah, he is a seventeen-time uh, oh, wow. world champion, the greatest arm wrestler in the history of the world. That's awesome. Does he have a West Virginia accent? What is that? <laughs> do you you know what? Uh, I don't know. Do you recognize that off top? Do you just? <laughs> this is a thing, right, Vic? You, you were is, there. That's something, something you like. You like those kind of accents. <laughs> just wondering. Uh, just wondering. I don't, I don't know. I haven't talked to him, but probably. Probably loves John Denver like I do. <laughs> Don't get me singing again. Yeah, I mean, I, if they let this, I mean, Raiders defense, I'm, I'm putting faith in them. Like they should be able to lock up this, this Bears offense. I mean, they they've sucked even with Justin Fields, with our man's from West Virginia. Like. I don't have much much faith in them. Like their offensive line sucks. They run the ball pretty well, uh, so I guess that's one thing. The Raiders' defense for for its improvement, it's still a little bit susceptible to the to the run game, and so if they can get that going, uh, you know, maybe their offense has a chance. But I think it's going to be a ugly day for the Bears on offense. Yeah, the one fear I think is DJ Moore. Obviously, he's shown he can be a game breaker. I'm not sure. Like you talked about, the cornerbacks have been solid, but. I'm not sure it's up for really taking him on. I mean, Marcus Peters seems like a bad matchup, so yeah, that goes one of the young guys, I guess. But um, he's dangerous. There are not a lot of dangerous guys in this Bears team, but he's definitely one of them. Yeah, I mean, and the Raiders have had lapses when it comes to tackling, you know, open field, kind of on those those short passes that get turned into long games, like the one that comes to mind last week. He got called back because of penalty, but like Ezekiel Elliott ran 80 yards at his, you know, his old age. So uh, DJ Moore, um, he's pretty dangerous yards after the catch. And also uh, Trey Tucker's college teammate, Tyler, Tyler Scott has some, some speed on him too. Um, so, you know, like those are a couple of things, I guess the bears might, might catch him a couple of times, but it's just hard, hard for me to imagine them like strength, stringing together a bunch of sustained success on offense. You know, they've also got Cole Komet who, uh, as we all know, was, Kind of tan- oh, tan- tangentially part of the Khalil Mack trade. That was man. that was the uh, the second round pick man. from the Khalil Mack trade. That's uh, they use that in Cole. All these angles, man. Gakwe, Komet, man. All these Raiders angles. Big, big, like big, big storylines. All right. Well, let's make our predictions. Uh, who wants to lead off? Uh, I'll, I'll go first this time. I am I'm five and one on my picks this year. I'm uh, feeling feeling pretty good. Yeah, that top of, yeah, that top of mine. Five and one. And, and and I'll be honest. I I mean I told you guys two weeks ago I was gonna after I picked them to beat the Packers that I was gonna pick them again to beat the Patriots and that I was going to pick them to lose this game. <sighs> and I, and I really thought I I I had just had this gut feeling that they were gonna go up, go up against Justin. They were gonna go up against Justin Fields and Justin Fields was gonna turn in was gonna turn in one of those performances like Kyler Murray did against them last year and he was gonna run a few crazy plays on them and, and beat them. But no, without Justin Fields, I am picking a third straight Raiders win, 20-13. to 13. Back-to-back 20-point outputs, 20-13. Uh, to 13. The last one didn't count. The last one didn't count. It was a safety. But, uh, 
Yeah, I got I got the Raiders winning twenty one to fourteen. You know, I, I think the the defense does its job once again. You know, locks up a bad offense and whoever starts at quarter quarterback. You know, I think you know I, I think we're going to see a lot of Devontae Adams this week. They don't want him to lose his mind in this game, and uh, maybe Josh Jacobs can get a little bit going in the pass game um, as well underneath, and you know, get enough offense going to to pull this one out on the road and improve to to four and three. I'm gonna say uh, 19 to 13. I, I can't see the red zone offense being that much improved, where they could score two touchdowns. I think they'll move the ball fine and get into the red zone and stall out. And whoever has Daniel Carlson, Carlson as a fantasy kicker is gonna have a great day. I, yeah, I see the you know Bears scoring maybe a touchdown and, and a couple field goals, but um, yeah, I don't I don't see them completely shutting down this Bears running attack and maybe DJ Moore has a big player too. So 19-13 Raiders. What's the weather forecast like? I think it's solid. I think I saw it's 50s. So solid. Nothing. Shouldn't, shouldn't be too bad. 53, partly sunny. No uh, no problems there. It is uh, there's a little bit of rain maybe this afternoon. But uh, all right, partly sunny, 53. So that uh, that, that should make you uh, you safe with your Carlson four field goals. You guys all picked the Raiders. You're telling me about Ngakwe and Billings, trying to get me to switch my, my, my side. But I won't do it. I'm going with the Raiders. We all picked the Raiders. We're all going to be right. For once I got 26 20. I also have four Carlson field goals. Um, yeah, defense is good enough. I think each uh, each quarterback, Hoyer and O'Connell, have touchdown pass this game. Uh, so 26 20 Raiders. How many targets does uh, Devontae Adams have? 18. Ooh, 18. I'm going 13. 15. It has my 50 sack thing going on. Are we on pace for 50 sacks? I got to check. Uh, uh, yeah, let's look that one up right that now. That wasn't, uh, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I will give you a mulligan on that one. It was a different, different, yeah. different time when you made that prediction. I had Charlie Jones getting like eight or nine, so that's got to be factored in. Okay, so are, are they on track for 40 then? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll... I don't, I don't think so. Well, Max has got what, five and a half? It's not that bad, right? They're, I mean, they're, not, they're not like bottom of the league, right? I mean, they're close to bump pace for 40. Uh, aren't they? they have 13 sacks. Yeah, which is like so that's about two, two a game. It's like two a game, so that's like 34, 35. It's more two a game. It's like 2.16 a game, bro. So, yeah, give, me, give, me, give me that so, point. Give me that point. One so they're, on, they, me they're on pace for 36.83. So thir- we'll call it 37 uh, sacks is what they're on pace for. They're tied for 23rd. It's not bottom of the league. What if they trade for Ngakwe? Ooh, I like that one too. Bring him back. <laughs> what are you gonna give up for him? Like the Bears carry any, any pick in a in a bag of a Hunter Renfro for Ngakwe. Bag of popcorn and a fourth round pick. Are you gonna send Hunter Renfro from this to the Bears offense? <laughs> he don't care. He don't care about him at all, man. That's that's pretty rough. I want to see him succeed. Josh McDaniel doesn't want to see him succeed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, well, that'll wrap up this week's episode of State of the Nation. We will be back next week uh, to talk about the 4-3 and three Raiders getting ready for Monday Night Football against the Lions. Uh, and, well, we'll see how things go Sunday in Chicago against the Bears. It didn't jinx them at all with that one. All right, see you guys. Adios, amigos. Later. Country roads take me home. To the place I belong.